Some years ago, our country has this what we call the NS program, the National Service Program, when school leavers after Form 5 were chosen at random uh, to go for a three months training. And how many of you young people here was actually got selected or enlisted to go for NS training? Any one of you here? Yeah, I see you, you know, maybe some there not put up their hand. Yeah, I do see some hands, right? And I know that some were excited that they were being selected and responded heartily. But some tried to run away from it, true or not? Right? Some were excited, yeah, I got selected. Some count it by privilege and a lifetime experience. But fi some find it very unnecessary and perhaps torturing. Wow, must go for drill, uh, go for marching uh, under the hot sun. Uh, how, uh, you know? And uh, some half, in fact, some people, they went, but halfway through, before they complete the three months, they find some reason, excuse, and left the camp early and didn't go back, all right? So some completed with great pride. Wow, they feel so proud they have completed it, you know, they have the certificate, and they feel so proud they were part of this NS program. So my question to you is, which group do you belong to? I know some of those of us who were past the age, you didn't have the so-called privilege or opportunity to be enlisted. But if you would have a choice, I wonder you will respond enthusiastically and say, that, yes, you know, I want to be in the program, or you will be some of those that say, no, 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 uh, please, you know, uh, don't get me involved, all right? And uh, in our country, NS was optional. Of course, now no more. Uh, and joining the army is also a personal choice. And most people, don't really enroll themselves in the army, uh, especially uh, in our country, right? and uh, the non-Bumi usually don't enroll themselves in the army because they say there's not much chance uh, for them to progress on. But in some countries, NS is compulsory, like for in Singapore, right? in Taiwan, in Israel, and in some other countries, it's compulsory, and every male will see it as a duty to serve and protect the nation. I'm not sure if it's all, but certainly some of them do take great pride in it. You know, they take great pride that they are able to protect their country, they are able to be trained. I have a cousin who has a son, also in a way kind of a nephew, even though a distant one. And uh, he was supposed to go for his NS, you know, and he was looking forward to it. But when the examination, physical examination result came out, he wasn't fit enough because they detected some uh, health issue on him. And so, you know, he was assigned to death duty instead of joining the march and all that. And he was also disappointed because he felt that as a man, as a boy, you know, he wanted to be involved, he wanted to take pride uh, in joining this uh, NS, you know. So he was rather disappointed over it, right? So maybe some will see that, well, it's really a privilege. Right? And uh, some will see that, no, 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 I, I, I think it's too hard for me, it's too tough for me. Uh, okay? All right? So you see, it's really a matter of how we see the call to serve the nation. When there's a call to serve the nation, how do the individual citizen would respond to it or would look at it? Will they see it as a privilege or an obligation? Will they see it as an honour or a horror? So if you're called to serve in the army for the nation, is it an honor or is it an horror? So it's really individual's perspective. So the objective of this morning's message is to help all of us here 
to see that serving God is a privilege. Serving God is a high calling and not a burden, it's not an obligation or merely a sense of duty because God, our Master, our King, He has also called us to serve Him in the kingdom. We are part of God's army. How do we then respond to the call? So my message this morning is, it's a privilege to serve. Tell your neighbor, it's a privilege to serve. And in line with our IDMC emphasis, that for this whole first half of the year, we are emphasizing on the second point on equip. Uh, we have done connect now on equip. And for the first two months, we talk about equipping the head. We need to know uh, the word and so on and so forth. Then we talk about the heart. And so for the next two months, May and June, we are emphasizing on equipping the hand. The hand is something for us to work on, something for us to serve. We want to equip ourselves to serve the Lord. And this morning, I want all of us to see serving God as a privilege because first of all, we are following the example of Christ. We are following the example of Christ because in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the scripture tells us that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came willingly to serve. Now, the whole purpose of Jesus coming down on earth uh, was to take on the form of a servant. The Bible was very clear. He came to take on the form of a servant. Not so much as a king, even though the Jews were expecting a, a messiah, a military ruler. But Jesus didn't come in that fashion. He came, he took the form of a servant. To the extent of he gave his life to those whom he served. Now this is very noble and indeed very divine. It was a divine act of action when he humbled himself. And there's a kind of example he has shown to us. So, to serve is really to follow in the footsteps of our master. He has called us to serve and we follow. And Jesus also teaches us to learn to be a servant of all. So in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 to 12, he said, The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now to Jesus, the measurement of greatness is not in your position, it's not in how many people you rule over, it's not in the status of life, it's not on how well known you are, it is in servanthood. It's how willing you are willing to serve, serve God and serve people. When we read the letters written by the Apostle Paul, and we know that Paul wrote many letters in the New Testament, and almost in most of his letters, he will address himself as a servant of God. Even though sometimes he will say that an apostle, but he always say called by the Lord Jesus. But oftentimes, either in the opening or even in you know, the, the content of his writing, he will refer himself as a servant. And the servant used in translated in English is servant, but the actual meaning is, means born slave. A doulos. A doulos is a born slave. A love slave that is born, that is bound to Jesus Christ. And this is the attitude we ought to have. It's an attitude of servanthood. So in the kingdom of God, position and title doesn't count. It's a heart of servanthood that God is looking for. 
In the example and teaching of Christ, we get the idea of volunteerism. Now, Jesus volunteered himself. We didn't ask him to come down, but he volunteered himself. He knew the plan of God for mankind, to save mankind, and the only one who could do it, and Jesus volunteered himself. He volunteered himself not only to serve, to die for mankind. And today, God is looking for volunteers, not conscripts. A conscript is one who is enlisted or recruited by compulsion. For example, during wartime, you know, the country, the leadership or the king will want to get all the male to be involved. Everyone must join the army. Right? They are being conscripted whether you like it or you don't like it. As, as long as you are able-bodied, you know, and you have to be in the army. That is by compulsion. But that's not how God works. God doesn't force us. Yes, God called us, but he allowed us the freedom to choose whether we want to answer to that call or not. In fact, God calls all of us to serve, and he desired that we will also volunteer to serve. Just like in the Old Testament, when Isaiah the prophet was in the temple of God, the presence of God was so strong, and God began to say, who will go for us? Who shall I send? And Isaiah volunteered. Here am I, Sammy. And this is what God wants. So why is that that some people are so willing to serve and others are so reluctant? Have you ever asked a question? Are you one that's willing to serve or are you the one that's very reluctant? In fact, some only want to come to, to be served. They come to church to be served. That's why we call Sunday service. <laughs> it's like you send the car for service. You service the car. And some people come once a week to church to be served. I, I get serviced. Uh, but really, that is not what the purpose of Sunday service is about. That's why now we want to call it a Sunday celebration for us to come to celebrate together. But why is it so? Why is it that some are so willingly served, some are reductive? What's the difference between two groups of people? Now, I believe it is a matter of motivation. What motivates us to serve? I believe many of us who serve in just serve out of love and gratitude for Christ. All the ushers, they are willing to stand outside there and, you know, welcome you. And the traffic warden, they were willing to go out under the hot sun. I believe they serve out of love for Christ. Right? Our love for Christ. And when you love someone, you will want to feel in depth or you feel indebted to the someone. You want to serve the person. You want to, you're willing to serve him or to serve her. And I believe that many of us also serve out of a sense of purpose because we want to find meaning in the things that we do. Now we want to feel that, you know, we, we, we want to serve because we have eternity in mind. We know that whatever we do, we are not just living for the present, but we are living for eternity. And we want to make our life meaningful. We want our service to be of substance, to be of eternal value. And of course, uh, some of us, we want to serve because we want to be responsible member of the church family. Just like in the family that you have, you want to be a responsible father, mother, or brothers and sisters. Same thing in the church family. We want to contribute to the growth of the body of Christ in obedience to the command of Christ. So they want to serve because we say we are responsible. And of course, some of us, and I believe many of us, serve because we want to be good stewards of the gift of God. Uh, Jesus given us the parable of the talents, uh, those that are faithful, those that are good stewards, in contrast to those that are not faithful. 
So we want to be good stewards. God, you have given me the gift. Let me, you know, honor you by serving you. But of course, there are others who see the need and respond to the need. We see their needs. We don't have enough people to serve. And so they respond to the need. And all these are very good motivational factor of why people volunteers. Why people volunteer to want to serve right, in the body of Christ. So therefore, brothers and sisters, if you are currently not serving, may I encourage you to start getting involved. There are still many areas of ministry. We know that for the last two years of pandemic, right, a serving God had kind of taken a backseat to many people. Because, you know, uh, uh, quite a number, uh, during one uh, prolonged lockdown uh, last year, uh, the lockdown was so long, and many of you find that, you know, you are out of job spiritually, <laughs> you know. Uh, and we are glad that now the church is reopening. And if somehow you have opted out during the pandemic season, we are making a call and appeal to you to come back to serve. To come back to serve. We want to go back to normalcy. You know? And for those of you who have not in any way involved in service before, I trust that you begin to see the need. And if you look at all oh, these factors, yeah, I think some of these factors should motivate me to serve. I would encourage you to let us know. We are still in need of traffic warden, a job that many people do not want to volunteer. But I really hope that you can take it up and volunteer yourself. We still need people in our SNS team to save and security, right? The greeters, the ushers, the life kids. Uh, we still need helpers, teachers, you know, and musicians. Right? You notice that of late we are a bit short of musicians, and today you see both our pastors are also playing, you know, the musical instrument, right? Because they have to stand in for somebody else, and singers, sound person, media crew, handyman, and many more. Would you volunteer? And we begin to assess the ministry of church, we realize that. One of our great concerns is there is a lack of a continuous supply of musicians for the church ministry. Because we realize that uh, nowadays, not many young people pick up musical instruments. Not many of them, you know, when we look at our youth group, and then we are thinking that, where then can we get the supply of those who, who can be involved in the worship team, in the music team? Therefore, I would want to encourage all of you that if you are keen, you know, and you say that especially those of you who are young and still able, pick up an instrument and learn an instrument. Learn it right, so that with that in mind, say, God, I want to use my hand to serve you. I want to be a skillful musician to be able to serve you. And maybe I would like to encourage parents too. I know a lot of time parents are very concerned with our children's uh, education. Maybe you can really encourage them to pick up some musical instrument. That will help them. Right? Encourage them to pick up, not to force them to like, you know, go for your professional degree and get your diploma. Not necessary, but prepare them. And I believe that learning music is very therapeutic. Especially nowadays, study kids are so stressed up with their study, with all kinds of things. But you can help them, you know, to see and, and learning an instrument can be very therapeutic, really. Right? In my younger days, I talk about younger days because a lot of things I used to be able to do, now I, now I cannot do, you know. In my younger days when I became a believer right, in my teens, you know, so like most young people, we love music, we love song, you know. So I learned 
I learned to pick up a guitar and I learned to sing the song. And I find it very therapeutic in the sense that each time, you know, when I was stressed, when I go through moments of uh, difficulty, I would just sing to the Lord. I'll just pick up the guitar on my own. I just sing. Doesn't matter, nobody here and that kind of thing, you know, right? But now I cannot because so long I never pick up a guitar, you know, don't know how to press already. Finger also pain already. But I find it very therapeutic. Right? So some of us are very therapeutic. So don't see it as academic learning, but see it as a way to help them to balance out their life and also as a means that one day they can serve the Lord. So I encourage parents right, to encourage your children too. Right? It is a win-win situation. It's good for them. Right? It's good as well right, to serve the Lord in the future. Okay? And of course, serving God is a privilege also because we are given a variety of gifts. Not only because we want to follow the example of Christ, but we were given a variety of gifts. God is a giver of all gifts. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So the scripture here is so clear that has given us you know, a great variety of gifts and the, and the storehouse of God. The storehouse of God is so full of spiritual gifts that we can use. And I would like to highlight two points from this verse. First point is that there is a great variety of spiritual gifts available in God's kingdom. And out of these many gifts, God has chosen certain gifts that are most suited for each and every one of us. God knows God knows us well. And God has chosen certain gifts according to His will. The Bible tells us that it's the Holy Spirit that determines who to give what gift according to His will. Alright? And so therefore, I want you first of all to know your gift and appreciate what God has given you. Know, know your gift. And begin to appreciate. Now, in the sight of man, maybe people will see certain gifts as more prominent and some less prominence, but that's not how God sees it. It doesn't mean that the more prominent gifts are more useful and the less prominent gifts are of little value. No. Certain gifts seem more prominent because they are more public and they are seem more you know, attractive. For example, the ministry gift, the so-called frontline ministry or the pulpit ministry. Yeah, they are so-called you know, uh, 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 prominent because they stand in public. But the so-called so -called less prominent gift, although it does not seem attractive, they are important too. Say, for example, the gift of compassion, the gift of help, the gift of hospitality, the gift of administration. These are spiritual gifts that reach out to the poor, that help the needy, right? that serve and make others feel comfortable, feel welcome, that organize and get things done without calling attention to themselves. So you see, every gift has its own value in the kingdom of God. So I'm sure you'll be able to discover the spiritual gift that God has given to you. It's not a matter of whether it's prominent or not, but every gift is useful. That's why the scriptures say you must use it. It is useful, right? So the first thing you need to know is to discover and learn to appreciate. Sometimes we don't appreciate the gift that God has given to us. Maybe, you know, we, we, we want some other gift. But you know, when God gives us a gift, God knows us best. Because He's the one that makes us. 
He know our personality. He know our makeup. He know our background. He know everything about us. And he said that hmm, for this person, this gift is best. For the other person, this gift is best, because the gift is given by God. And not only that, when you learn to appreciate the gift, you must not do not try to cover the gift that are not meant for you. Don't envy somebody else's gift. There may be others who are envious of your gift too. So no need to compare and don't be envious. And the gift that you have is best suited for you. So every gift is important. Therefore, appreciate the gift that God has given to you. What you need to do is further develop the gift. Gift can be developed, can be further enhanced to be better. So instead of trying to cover somebody else's gift, just thank God for the gift that has given to you. And of course, do not try to operate in the gift that you do not have. Usually, the gift that God has given to us are related to the ministry, to the role He has called us to. Now, God will place us in different roles, different functions, different positions where our spiritual gift can operate best. And certain roles or ministry will need certain specific gifting. You need that, right? And sometimes we may desire certain role, but if we do not have the spiritual gift for it, you realize that God may not. Put us there. So, if he has called you to be a teacher, he will give you the teaching gift. Right? If he has called you to be a social concern ministry to reach out to the down and trodden, he will definitely give you a heart of compassion, a gift of compassion, not just a heart of compassion, a spiritual gift of compassion, a spiritual gift of mercy or help. God will give that to you. You see, so that it comes forth naturally. And some of you have that gift. Even among us, I can see that some of you have the gift of compassion. Going to reach out to the downtrodden is so natural, it's so easy, right? But to some people, it's very difficult. So it is a gift. Right? So when God calls you to certain ministry, He has given you the gift. Now, but if you cannot carry a tune, don't try to be a worship leader, right? Worship leader need to be able to carry a tune, right? Uh, so worship meeting looks glamorous because it's a frontline ministry. It's a pulpit ministry. But if you don't have the gift, don't force your way to be there. Because if you force your way to be there, not only you suffer, everybody else suffers. <laughs> right? And it doesn't mean that a person who can sing is naturally a person who is a good worship leader. You know why worship leading is a spiritual gift? Because singing, you can sing anywhere. You can sing in the pub. You can sing in the bathroom, right? You can sing, but to worship it, it is spiritual. It is a spiritual gift. So it doesn't mean that, oh, since I, have the, I can sing, no, I just want to be a worship leader. You've got to pray rather, you know, that God has also given you the gift of worship leading. During our time in Bible school, they, all of us, all of us, have to go through, you know, a song leading class, a music class, and we have to learn how to song lead. I tell you, song leading and worship leading are very different. During our era, there's no such thing as worship leading like what we do, free worship. What we go through, yeah, all of us, you know, take time, every chapel, we have different one of us go up to the chapel. And this is how we will have to do worship leading, right? We only, we, we could only sing two songs, sometimes one song, because chapel time was very short. So all of us will go up, and everybody stand up one. Put the hand up. Right? And we sing hymns, not free worship. <laughs> and the pianist will play the first line, you know, and then our hand will go down. 
and will follow all the song leading star. One, two, three, four. That is song leading. But that's not worship leading. Try to do this now. I think next Sunday attendance will drop. <laughs> is it worship leading your gift? Right? And therefore, if you have the gift, please go for it. But you don't have the gift, don't force yourself into it. Because if you try to operate in a gift that you do not have, there will be a lot of tension within you. And others will also be affected. And serving will become a chore. And you'll become very stressful. you become very unnatural and you will not enjoy it. And when I first was uh, elected in the ESCO, and so uh, the, our general soup was telling me, Hey, why don't you, uh, I assign you, you help, you know, to do communication. That time, we don't have a communication department in AG Council. So I told him, I said, please, please, please. I don't know how to do communication. That is not my forte. That's not my gift. Please get somebody else. But he said that, no, you, we don't have, you try, you try, you know. So I got no choice. So very reluctantly, how, what to do? I'm not a writer. I can't, you know, uh, 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 do anything. Uh, that during that time, yeah, we have a website, but a lot of things are still print media. You say, come up with newsletter, lah, come up with this and that. But I, I'm not an editor. I, I, I don't do this kind of thing. I'm not a designer. I don't even handle, you know, any magazine or what you ask me to do. I mean, it, it, it's a really a chore, you know. But well, no choice, a duty assigned, you do it. So I do it. Lah. I do it for two terms. Uh, I get people who can do the job. I enlisted editor, I enlisted people who can write, you know, I enlisted people who can do the job. Uh, they do the job, you know, and, but I struggle. For those times when I hold on to that position, I really struggle. Each time I say, hey, please, uh, next time, please, please, I beg you, don't put me in that position anymore. But of course, time has changed, you know, and, and, and we begin to realize that it's not practical. It's not practical for any of their school to take that role because it needs to be a full-time job. It needs to be an office job. And so that, you know, I think was taken out. And then he said, okay, okay, now you do special functions, organizing. Oh, phew. I think that is fine because that is part of my gifting. I can organize. So, you know, I was so relieved. And I was happy. Some people hate organizing. Organize a conference, organize a camp, you know. But... Praise God, I was very at ease. So organized quite a number of conferences, LGBT conference, leadership conference, the webinar, you know, and uh, organized uh, the, what you call that, AG retreat, you know, right? And AG retreat is usually very, very big. And to me, that is okay, you know? And so therefore, when you operate in your gifting, you don't feel so stressed. But when you try to operate in something that's not your gifting, I tell you, you struggle. You really struggle over it. So throw a fish into the river. It will swim naturally. Try to teach a cow climb a tree. See what will happen. Probably the cow will bring the tree down. <laughs> Very likely, isn't it? Right? So therefore, let's appreciate the gift that we have and don't try to operate in the gift that we do not have. And then, not only that, the scripture tells us that use your gift well. Don't hide it. Don't bury it. Don't ignore it. If you don't use the gift that God has given to you, you will lose it. Because spiritual gifts are never meant to be stored away, and spiritual gifts are never meant for display. They are instruments to be used. Just like when you have a bowl in your house, 
The bowl is meant to be used for you to put rice or for you to put soup, you know. Right? In my house, I have a so-called gold-plated bowl with a gold-plated pair of chopsticks. This was a souvenir given by one of the distant relatives during his birthday function, you know, right? And uh, he gave it, right? And, uh, well, looked very nice, very impressive, but it was encased in a nice plastic case. What is best for display? Can you use it? You can't use it. And God did not give us the spiritual gift to put it in a case and put it on display. He wants us to use it. So be useful, the gift that God has given to us. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, he said that in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instrument for special purposes, make holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So to use our gift, we need to serve. The church is a safe place for us to exercise our spiritual gift because we are more gracious. We are more gracious, make mistakes, never mind. So it's really the heart of service that matters. But of course, that does not mean that we take serving God lightly. That does not mean that we serve you know, uh, lightly. We want to build an excellent culture. As a church family, we want to build an excellent culture too. Meaning that when we do, we want to do a good job. We don't want to do a lousy job. We want to do our best. But our best may not be the best. It's all right. There is a difference between doing our best and doing the best. What's the difference? Now, the emphasis on doing our best is not on the score. It's not on the measurement of the work. The emphasis is on whether we have put in enough effort. It's a hard matter. It's a motivational matter that counts. Like all of us, maybe many of us parents, you have more than one children, right? Let's say your children go to school. And you can see our children are all different. Some are more studious. They can study well. They all come back with straight A. But some pass is a consolation. You are very happy they pass. And you cannot compare the two kids. But for the kids who just passed, but if he had given his best effort, I think you should commend. Good job. Right? Good job because you have done your best. It may not be the best because the best to the parents are 100% mark. <laughs> but not every child can fulfill that. Maybe your straight A child can do that. Maybe the straight edge child, you know, just look at the book, you know, with a photogenic uh, memory, right? Just glance through the book a few times, he can score straight A. But the other child, who is not, whose gifting is not so much in this, right? Who is more active and learn in other areas, who tend to destroy things than build up things, but they learn through that way, you cannot compare them. But if the child has given his best or her best, that is good enough. So similarly in serving God, we are not looking for perfect ministry. We are not looking for perfect. Every Sunday worship must perfect. No mistake one. Huh? None of you are supposed to miss a bit, okay? None of you are supposed to come in wrongly. You cannot. Because all of us are not perfect. But if we are given our best, that's good enough. So what we want is for you to give your best. 
Your best may not be the best, but of course, if God has given you the capacity to be the best, go for the best. But as long as you have given your best, I think that is good. The emphasis is on effort. So serving God is privilege because of the gift He has given to us. And of course, serving God is a privilege because we are enabled by the Holy Spirit. It is not by ourselves, it's by the help of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest struggles we face in serving is a feeling of inadequacy and the lack of sustaining power. Talk to many people who want to serve or not. I don't think I'm good enough. Lah. I don't think I can. It's always that. How if I cannot do well? That's why I say it's not a matter of reaching the best. It's a matter of giving your best. So the feeling of inadequacy. And we also notice that many do not have sustaining power. They serve for a while, they drop out. They serve for a while, for drop out. Why is that so? You know? Why is that so? It, it shouldn't be. Huh? Because this is spiritual gift and we have the Spirit of God with us. So some of the feeling of, the inad, uh, feeling of inadequacy could be due to the lack of experience and lack of exposure. Of course, first time when you want to do something, you're always new, you know, and you fumble here and there, you're not sure what to do. Or it could be due to lack of guidance. Nobody helps us, nobody shows us what to do. You know? Or it could be that sometimes we want to compare ourselves with others who can do a better job. Again, it's a comparing ourselves. Sometimes it's a comparing that's killing us. It's not because of the lack of gift, but it's a comparing that may discourage us. And therefore, we shouldn't be comparing. Or sometimes, when we do, we want to seek man's approval. Now, different people have different standards. Some people have very high standards. So when you want to get approval of people that are professionists, you get, you're going to get discouraged, isn't it? All right? And therefore, sometimes we are also relying on our personal strength. We are relying on our personal ability. And there's a reason why sometimes we feel so inadequate. But to overcome all this feeling of inadequacy, we need to understand that the source of spiritual gift comes from God. So we will be enabled by God. Coming back to 1 Peter chapter 4, just now we read verse 10, but now let's continue to look at verse 11. Verse 10 says that, you know, God has given us a variety of gifts. Use them well to serve others. And then the second part of verse 11 says what? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ and all glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. So what does this tell us? It tells us that the gift not only are given by God, it will be enabled, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Alright? The anointing of the Holy Spirit will enable us and sustain us and help us to be able to serve in the long, for the long term. So spiritual gift is to be operated in the spirit and not in the flesh. To operate in the spirit, what does it mean? To operate in the spirit means we need to first of all cleanse ourselves. We read about the scripture on the port, uh, on the vessel in the house. Right? In the last shot, there are many vessels and they must cleanse themselves so that it can be for noble use, right? So you realize that to operate the gift, we must first of all cleanse ourselves from things that defile us so that we can be vessel of honor. We need to be vessel of honor that is being cleansed. A defiled vessel is not attractive. A defiled vessel can be repulsive. Some people may have the spiritual gifts, but if they do not have the attitude of servanthood, and if they do not cleanse themselves, they may operate the spiritual gift in the flesh. And when a person operates the spiritual gift in the flesh, it can be repulsive. Have you seen people, sometimes they are so proud, 
because they have certain spiritual gift. Sometimes that attitude you can sense, you can see, you know. It becomes repulsive. Maybe you can see the air of arrogance. Wow, walk also got win one. Chinese say walk also got win one. This person, right? Because when they begin to 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 serve and and carry out, you know, with a flesh and did not cleanse themselves before God, you realize that the Holy Spirit will be hindered. The Holy Spirit will be hindered because the impurity within you will hinder the working of God's Spirit. Therefore, we need to rely upon the Holy Spirit so that. The anointing of God can flow through us. The Holy Spirit also helps us overcome our fear. Because of the feeling of inadequacy, sometimes we are afraid. We are afraid to serve, we are afraid to step forward. The feeling, God, the Holy Spirit will help us to overcome the feeling of uncertainty, the feeling of you know, inadequacy. And in fact, Paul, he went to preach in Corinth with fear and trembling. Although he was a seasoned missionary, but he did not rely upon himself. He, not, he did not rely upon his experiences. He did not rely upon his position as an apostle. Right? But rather, he came before them very humbly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 to verse 5, he said, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. Can you imagine? This is a seasoned missionary, right? timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. So we realized that Paul operated in the power of God. It was the power of God that saved the Corinthians. When he went there, even though he had years of missionary experience, he has already planted many churches, you know, and he has seen all those churches grow. And you know, the other time we were talking about, uh, uh, he wrote letters to the first, to the Thessalonians. He has already had those, you know, uh, credentials with him in the sense. But when he come to Corinth, he said, I still come with fear and trembling. I'm not going to rely on myself, right? The Holy Spirit was the one that used him. Now, Paul was an intelligent scholar. Paul was a gifted apostle. He can perform signs and wonders, but yet when he came to them, he said he relied on the Holy Spirit. And true enough, it was the Holy Spirit that helped Paul. And in Corinthians, the, the city of Corinth was a very tough ground, but it was the power of God that was at work in him and through him that brought about the salvation of the Corinthian people. The Holy Spirit not only empowers, the Holy Spirit and renew and sustain us when we are worn out due to over-serving. Right? Some people say, oh, I serve so, so well, no break. Due to stress, due to disappointment or discouragement, and many other uh, reasons that can cause us you know, to want to take a back seat. When this happens, a timeout is necessary. Sometimes we do need a timeout. When I talk about time long, I'm not talking about a long-term break. A short break is necessary. That's why in the uh, music ministry, you know, a different one will take turn to have a short break, you know, a one-term break or a two-term break, just to take a break so that, you know, others can step back in and after a break, they can be refreshed. And we, are, we all know the story of Elijah so well. Re Elijah ran away from Jezebel because basically he was tired. 
He was tired. He was discouraged. And he desperately need a touch of God. So the reason why Elijah ran away that he was so tired, yes, he was fearful. He was worn out. He was burned out. But where was he running to? He did not run to anywhere else, but his destination was the mountain of God. He wanted to run into the presence of God so that he can be touched by God. So he went up to the mountain of God. That was the place because he knew, God, you are the one that called me. God, you are the one that given me this gift of prophetic gift. It's a tough job during the Old Testament time. A prophet job is no joke. It was tough, you know. And he said that, I can't take it anymore. So I come back to you because you are my boss. I come back to you. So he came back into the presence of God. He was so desperate and God touched him. God re-energized him. And Elijah, instead of throwing in the tower, he served many more years before passing the baton to Elisha. When I say many more years, it's not just one year or two years. It's more than 10 years. Some people estimate it probably 15, 16 years. Just a special touch of God. You see, all of us need to operate a spiritual gift in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you serve the Lord, think long term. Think long term. Don't think short term. Don't just say, hey, pastor, pastor, I serve. Uh, this year only, next year, I, then only I think again. Uh. No. No. Right? Because when you go for job interview, you also think that, you know, I, I, I don't want to just serve, you know, one, two months, uh, then after that I think again. Uh. One, two months, uh, your boss say I won't employ you. Lor. You see? Uh, they want long-term stuff. So same thing. Uh, when you want to commit, think long-term. Now, both the Christian life and the Christian service is a marathon race. That's why it's so important for us to find time to be with God, to pray, and to be refreshed. It is very important. Even for myself, a yearly personal prayer retreat has been my habit for past many, many years. Because I'm not saying that, oh, I only do that once a year and that's all I spend time with God once a year. No, no. But that is more focused. That was very intentional of what I want to do to reflect, to plan for the church and so on and so forth. But other time, I find my own space to do it. Well, you can be in your office or you can be, you know, in your room. You can be in the home. For me, yeah, you can be either of this place. You can be even in the night in the hall where nobody come down and catch on me, you know. So I just need those moments to talk to God and let Him refresh and sustain. Sustain us, refresh and sustain us for the long haul. So therefore, brothers and sisters, a disciple is not a passive person. A disciple is active. He's one who is willing to offer himself to God as a living sacrifice. And if you are offering yourself to God as a living sacrifice, that means you are also saying that, God, I'm volunteering myself to serve you. Serving God is a privilege. It's a privilege because we are following the example of Christ. It's a privilege because we are given and equipped with many gifts. And it's a privilege because we are enabled, empowered and anointed by the Spirit. So today, I trust that all of us will respond to God, just like Isaiah to say, here am I, Lord, use me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, use me. Shall we all pray as a worship team?